So here we go. We, we've been in this series called Hungry. Uh, what are you hungry for? And you know what? I know this. We've been in the deep end of the pool. And I have been talking to you about a discipline that is going away in the Christian life. It's the discipline of, uh, of fasting. It was normative in the Scripture. Jesus spoke of it as it was normative. And so I, I started you on this journey last week, and I used Isaiah chapter 62, and we started talking about the why. This week we're going to talk more about the how, a little bit more pragmatic in this. You know, um, fasting in the Bible, the Greek definition of fasting is just simply this, to go without nourishment. That's all it means, just to go without nourishment. Now this morning we're going to look at the three types of fasting that are in Scripture. We're going to look at the different types of fasting that people did, the different types of fasting that is in Scripture, and then we're going to look at um, the reason or the eight different reasons or the eight different areas that they would fast over and the reason that they would go into a fast. And so I'm not going to be able to read all the Scripture for you this morning. I'll give you Scripture references. You can take notes. You can read it at home. But this discipline has changed my life and Karen's life deeply when we begin the discipline of prayer and fasting you see, a lot of disciplines in the spiritual life are going away. And people aren't talking about them any longer. And this morning, we're going to just talk about this issue, then I'm going to lead you, those of you who feel led, those of you who desire, we've been handing out uh, prayer guides. And on Good Friday, we're going to pray and we're going to fast as a church. Uh, and for the city of Pueblo, for Easter services, I'll talk a little bit more about that. You can get those prayer guides at the close of the service in the Welcome Center if you decide to do that, if you feel led to do that. So let's walk through this together about the three different types of fasting, and then we'll look at the eight different reasons. But before we do, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. And here's what Jesus was saying. And so he says, and when you fast. You see, it was seen as normative. It was seen as expected. Uh, Jesus would believe that, you know what, because he says, when you fast, when you give, when you pray. I mean, these are the things that you do. So Jesus saw this as normative. Jesus saw this as expected. And so he says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. And so what they were doing, just a little bit of history, what they were doing, uh, when they would fast, they wouldn't comb their hair, they wouldn't wash their face, they wouldn't put on any makeup, they'd wear some old clothes, they'd walk around looking like they have the flu. And then when someone would come up to them and say, hey, what's wrong with you? they say, oh, let me tell you, we're fasting. And so they would draw attention to themselves. And Jesus was saying, that's what the hypocrites do. And so he says, do not do that. When this, is something, this is one of the secret disciplines of the Christian life. You get that, right? You understand that, right? There are some secret disciplines of the Christian life. That's why some Christians have deeper joy than other people because they understand the secret disciplines of the Christian life. They've connected with God at a deeper level because they understand that. And so then Jesus turns and says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, the compliments they got, drawing attention to themselves, that's their reward. It's superficial, but that is their reward. They got what they wanted. And so he goes on and he says, But when you fast... Second time he said that, he's turned to the believers and he says, but when you fast, anoint, um, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, take a bath, (laughs) put on makeup, wear clean clothes, don't walk around gloomy, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. There's blessing. There is benefit to this this discipline. 
Jesus in Luke chapter 4 talks about when he went through a time of prayer and when he went through a time of fasting. And starting in verse 1, the scripture says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. This is so important. For 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So we know that Jesus fasted. And there's something, you know, when we talk about this fasting, we talk about going without food, people all of a sudden say, Well, if I go without a meal, I just get cranky. And, uh, but they don't understand the difference between care for the body and care for the soul. And I've got to tell you, when I was writing this sermon a couple of weeks ago, I was writing this sermon... I got unbelievably hungry. I mean, we're like that, right? I mean, food is always like on our mind. And I got unbelievably hungry. And, and it, within 30 minutes, I ended up with Pastor Chad at Chili's. And we're getting chips and salsa and hamburgers and all of this stuff. There's just something about this. Fasting is this. Fasting is being willing to go without nourishment to get into the, to the presence of God at a deeper level. It's, it's when you... Be- come at the end of yourself or you're asking him for something so the three times that we fast or the three types of fast is this the first one is this it is called the normal fast now the normal fast is this the normal fast would be where you abstain from food uh, liquid or solid okay but not water so in other words a normal fast is this is that you wouldn't eat solid food but you wouldn't drink fruit juices you wouldn't drink vegetable juices you wouldn't you wouldn't um, juice vegetables and drink that. You would abstain from food, solid or liquid, but not water. fact is, this is the, 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 the fasting that Jesus was doing in Luke chapter 4. The scripture says that he ate nothing, not that he drank nothing. So most believe that Jesus was in a normal fast, that he withheld food from his body. Forty days was his fast. And another reason that we believe that, because Scripture says that Satan tempted him not by water, but what? By, by food, by bread. You know what I want to know? What kind of bread was that? I mean, was, was it like, oh, man, did it like have, have, was it dripping with butter? And was it was like a cinnamon roll with raisins. I mean, what was that bread like? And so we know that Jesus was on a normal fast because because Satan tempted him with bread, not water. Scripture says that he ate nothing. And and the fact is, we know that the human body can survive longer without food than it can without water. Unless something supernaturally happens. And that's why it's so important to be informed about fasting, to understand the the medical things that are going on, and we'll talk about that. I'll explain that to you as well. But the practice of fasting is the self-denial of nourishment to go deeper into the presence of God. See, so many people do not understand that soul care, feeding the soul, is more important than feeding the body. That's why you can feed your body with everything that money can buy. Toys, vacations, finances, and your soul can be malnourished and empty. 
So one of the reasons, or one of the types of fast is a normal fast. The second one is this. It's called an absolute fast. An absolute fast is this, is to where, man, this one's hardcore. I mean, this one's is where you do without food, solid or liquid, and water. I mean, an absolute fast a lot of times was, was maybe for a meal. Uh, an absolute fast was maybe for a day. But we do find some instances in Scripture where, where some fasted for, for, for three days. Saul on the road to Damascus, the scripture says in Acts that he, he was in an absolute fast and he withheld food, solid or liquid, and water for three days. I mean, we have other places in scripture. Esther, in the, in the book of Esther, she was a queen, and the scripture says that, that for such a time as this, and God put her in the right place at the right time. And so when she found out that something was going on with Haman and, and some other things, she was burdened what was happening to the Jews. Scripture says that, that Esther got Mordecai and her maidservants, and they went into an absolute fast for three days where they ate uh, no food and they drank no water, but that was a fast only for three days. Now, we know that Moses was in an absolute fast for 40 days, abstained from food and water, but he was in the direct presence of God. You understand this right. When Moses got the Ten Commandments, he was fasting. There's something about... I'm telling you, there's something about this fasting. Moses was in a 40-day fast, got the Ten Commandments, remember, and came down off the mountain, and the, 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 the people had, had just gone wild, right? And so they were worshiping uh, the golden calf, and they were doing some other things. And so Moses got so angry, he, he broke the Ten Commandments, remember that? And then he went back up the mountain and, and uh, fasted another 40 days. So, a, so actually, Moses fasted for 80 days. But he was in the direct presence of God, and something happened supernaturally. And, and I just want to warn you that, that if you feel God is leading you into this type of fast, you should consult uh, a medical professional. You really should. And just make sure you're okay. And make sure you're, you're thinking properly. Uh, the third and the last one is, is a partial fast. And this is the type of fasting that, that Karen and I do. This is the type of fasting that I've done. The fact is, all of my fasts have, have been a partial fast. And, and, a, and a, a partial fast is, is this. It's, it's, a, it's a restriction in diet. So normally, when, 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 I'm, when I fast, and I started this d- discipline. I've told you my story. I started this discipline in 1995. Uh, God has deepened me through this. And he's deepened my life through this. And so when I fast normally, in a partial fast is this, is to where I abstain from, from food, only solid. I'll juice, drink fruit juices, uh, that type of deal. And I drink water. And so I've done a partial fast from a, from a, de- from a meal, from a day. And then Karen and I, you guys know our story. Uh, we fasted 40 days, a partial fast for the city of Pueblo when we started Fellowship of the Rockies. And, and this will be the third time on Good Friday that we'll pray name by name through the, uh, through the, the, the phone book here uh, because we are burdened for a community. And so a partial fast is, 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 is it, it helps in different areas because you may have some medical challenges, whether you're a diabetic, whether you have some blood sugar issues. Uh, so I don't want you to feel guilty that if you cannot go completely without food, because that's not the essence of fasting. Fasting is is withdrawing some nourishment from the body because you seek different 
presence with God or a different level with God. And, 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 and maybe you pray for some, some different things. The fact is, it's an interesting story. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, Daniel goes into his fast. None of his buddies do. Okay? Verse 7. Oh, and by the way, it was a restriction in diet. And that was Daniel's fast. So Daniel, some people refer to this as a Daniel fast because he restricted his diet. In verse 7, get this, Daniel was the only one that saw the vision. Daniel was the only one that saw the vision from the Lord. His buddies knew God was there. They were uncomfortable with it. They were a little freaked out over it. They didn't totally get it and totally understand it. Daniel did. Why? Because Daniel had been fasting. This issue of fasting is critical for us to understand. And a partial fast is is really helpful to us, and sometimes it's so practical because there are some professions that it would be impossible for them to withhold all nourishment for their body. If I go into surgery, I do not want to hear my surgeon is fasting. I want him or her to be as sharp as possible. So I don't want you to feel guilty if you're in a profession and you just go, I don't know, I, I, just, I, I can't do that. Well, that's what a partial fast is. And it's between you and the Lord. I mean, it's, it, it gives you great freedom for you to withhold nourishment from your body and what that looks like. So there are eight different times. So we good? We good. Okay. So eight different times that people fasted. And this is just so fascinating to me when I started walking through Scripture and looking at, at the different fast and the different times that people fasted. You see, fasting is a burden on the heart. See, God, well, here, let's just walk through them because I'm getting ahead. The first one is this. One of the reasons that we fast is we fast when God calls us into a fast. See, what leads you into fasting a lot of times is just a burden. And I fast a lot of times when God calls me into a fast. In fact is, I don't want anybody to go to the Welcome Center and pick up a prayer guide and, and say, I'm going to fast and pray for, through the phone book and Fellowship of the Rockies Easter Sunday. I don't want anybody to do that out of guilt. I don't want anybody to do that because everybody else is doing it. We have about 220 people signed up right now, and we need about 30 or 40 more people to sign up with us. You know what? I'm confident God's going to take care of that. And I don't want you to do it out of guilt. I don't want you to do it because you feel like you've been manipulated. I've tried to take all the emotion out of it. You should only do this because you feel God is leading you into a fast. Now, let's talk about when God leads you into the fast. Sometimes it's a burden of the heart. But I'm going to tell you something. When God leads me into a fast, I'm just, just, well, it happened in Scripture as well. God will start removing my desire for food. The fact is, that was what happened with Jesus. When Jesus came out of the fast, Scripture says his hunger returned. When God leads me into a fast, it's a little bit unsettling because I don't know how long it's going to go. And I've watched God in my life remove the desire for food and I sought him, and then when it was time to come out of it, man, he gave me hunger pains again. And, and the hunger pains are associated with fasting, and I get that, because, but it was just a different level. See, what happens is when we fast and when we have those hunger pains, it's a reminder to us that we hunger for him more than nourishment. 
We desire to have a relationship with him deeper. You see, we live in a time where it's all about the appetites of the body. It's all about the appetites of the flesh. And you know this, right? Being normal is killing us. Being normal is sucking the life out of us. Living like everyone else, living like the world lives with materialism and trying to find success and peace and what you make and what you do and the number of toys that you can gather around you and the number of stuff that you could gather around. I mean, you get that, right? And we got some people, we got lots of people that their soul is just so malnourished and empty. And so one of the things that happens is, is that we go into a fast when God leads us. Another thing is this, is that when I'm broken over personal sin, then when I am broken over personal sin, you see what, what see a lot of people believe and in, in come to this thing that they cannot rule over their body. I mean, right, you, you, you hear people, you hear people say when they do stuff they shouldn't do or when they sin, they say, well, I just can't help myself. That's just the way I'm wired. I, I can't make those changes. That's, that's just me. And so what happens is they allow their body to rule. They are ruled, their flesh rules over them. But we as believers, we have power over that. And so what happens is, is when we fast, we, can, we, we realize and we understand that my body, my appetites of my body, it doesn't have to rule over me. It doesn't have to wreck my life. It doesn't have to destroy me. Watch this. And, and we'll read this one, 1 Samuel 7, 6. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured out before the Lord, and they fasted on that day, and they said there, we have sinned. So they start confessing their sin. We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. In other words, this was kind of like a, a, a national fast. This was a group of people that got together and they were, they were burdened over their, their sin and their life. See, usually, well, some people refer to this as a sinner's fast. Um, it usually is a, is a day to where if there's a stronghold in your life, if there is something that you are trying to break in your life and you've never been able to get free of that, you've never been able to break that, and you just hate it when it rises up in your life and destroys you and you've got to deal with all the consequences and the mess and everything, then this would be the type of fast that you would go in and you would realize that, you know what? Man does not live by bread alone. But by the very word. And the very word of God. Another reason that we fast is, is we fast when we're interceding for others. I mean, we, we're, we're we, life is no longer all about us, but we're praying on behalf of others, which is a lot like we're doing on Good Friday when we begin praying through a, a phone book. And you, you guys just got to get this. You just got to understand this. This is not about Fellowship of the Rockies. When we go through this, and you'll get the prayer guide and your life journal, Luke uh, chapter 24, that I'll be preaching on and Easter Sunday, and then, and then you'll, you'll, you'll do that, and then you'll, you'll have a, a column like this with about 30 names in the phone book. Do not call them, please. Just pray for them. <laughs> and you'll get a, a list of 30 names, and you'll get a prayer guide. We, listen, please hear me. We are not asking God to bring all these people to Fellowship of the Rockies. This is bigger than Fellowship of the Rockies. This is not just about us. Here's what we are praying. Man, we are praying that God would fill up every church, every pew, every seat, and every Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in Pueblo, Colorado, to where the city would take notice, to where the city would go, what is... Listen, 
There's enough for all of us. We are not, Fellowship of the Rockies is not in competition with any church. We know who our competition is. His name would be Satan. One of the reasons we fast is to intercede for others. You ever been burdened? for the choices that someone's making that you love and that you care about, and you've talked to them till you're blue in the face, you've tried to change them, and all it's done is just frustrate you and them and kind of made things worse, and nothing really changed over time, this would be that fast. Ezra chapter 10, not going to read the verses, that's homework. Just read that on your own. But Ezra the priest, he was like a pastor. He was burdened over the city. He was burdened over some choices that people were making. So he began to pray and fast and intercede for them on their behalf. And guess what? When he came out of that fast, he went and talked to them. He confronted them. There may be in your prayer guide, and there's a personal section for your personal prayer request and some things that you're asking, and there may be some people that you know that you are personally interceding for, you're personally praying for, and it may, be, it may not be enough for you to pray for them and say, I'm just going to call it good. It may be that you need to take the Be My Guest card to them. It may be that you need to go sit down with them. And you may realize God has given you some wisdom. God has given you some insight. You understand his presence. You understand you don't have to force it. You don't have to make it happen. See, Ezra understood that. He fasted and prayed for a group of people. And then he says, you know what? That's not enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go meet with them. And here's the cool deal. They responded. See, Jesus said this. Jesus said that there are some prayers that will only be answered how? By prayer and fasting. Whether it's breaking the bonds of personal sin, whether it's understanding the presence of God, I have learned more about the presence of God in fasting than any other discipline in the, in the Christian life. Here's, a, here's another reason why we fast. We fast when we're seeking an answer. See, fasting, a lot of times in Scripture why people fasted is because they come to the end of themselves. So they realize they don't have all the answers. They can't figure it out. Or can't, the way you guys said it. Flip back to Texas. Can't. So sorry. <laughs> I'll get off. Let's read scripture. That always helps with times like these. So, <laughs> Daniel chapter 9, 2 and 4. Watch this. In the first year of his reign, and by the way, Daniel had a discipline. He, he fasted a lot. I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of, of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before and uh, uh, the end of the de desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So, so, okay, so Daniel reads this scripture. He hears the word of the Lord, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. He has no clue what the 70 years means. He has no clue what Jeremiah. You ever had those problems? You ever been life journal? You ever been reading scripture? And you're like, what is up with this? I don't even get it. Daniel got to that point, and here's what he did. He went into a fast, and he began praying because he was seeking an answer. There have been times in my life that I just couldn't get it. I just, I, I didn't understand what was going on in my life, and I didn't understand some things. And 
And a fast help bring clarity to that. So, so here's what Daniel did. So then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him. How? By prayer, pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. It's the picture of desperation. It's the picture of God, if you don't speak to me, if you don't give me a word, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and his steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. See, Daniel was seeking understanding. Daniel was seeking comprehension to God's will. Daniel was trying to bring clarity, and he found it, and he did that through prayer and fasting. There could be times when you're going through hurt, when you're going through pain, when you're in the desert, and life does not make sense to you. James said, like in James 1, 2 through 6, uh, James said, when you're going through a trial... Anyone who lacks wisdom, ask God. God will give you wisdom. You cannot take that verse out of context. The context of that verse was when you're going through suffering, when you're going through trial, God will give you wisdom in the midst. He'll give you the wisdom to get through it, to understand it. This was Daniel. And Daniel was praying and fasting. And some people would call this a seeker's fast. This is such a critical fast when you're seeking an answer and you just, you just don't know you just don't understand. Another, another area, reason that we fast is that when we're preparing for ministry. Jesus did this in, in Luke chapter 4 uh, that, that I read to you that he fasted in, in preparation for his, his ministry in the next three and a half years that there'd be a lot of challenges, right? The last challenge that would lead him to the cross that he'd die and, uh, on our behalf and take our sin on him and, and, and shed his blood and then be resurrected so that we can have forgiveness of sin. There came one challenge after another. Listen, let me just tell you this. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to be committed to Him, there will be those that oppose you. There will be those that criticize you every step of the way. I'm just telling you. I live in that world. Fasting helps you to hear from him at such a deep level that regardless of the challenges that come before me, I'm headed on because I've heard from him. And I'm living my life for an audience of one. And I'm telling you, there's a call on our life. And we make life all about ourselves and our comfort. And a lot of times I have fasted when... When we, we shifted and we when before we came here, I've, I've never made a huge ministry decision without prayer and fasting. I make a decision here, you can rest assured, I have prayed and I have fasted. So another reason why that we fast is, is that when I'm sending out workers, two times in Acts, in fact, there's more, we'll only look at two. There's a couple of different times in Acts. Acts chapter 13, the church gathered around and prayed and fasted before they sent out some workers, before they sent out some missionaries. What would happen if we followed that? And before we sent out missionaries from this body, we fasted and we prayed. Acts chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, uh, Paul begins to, to talk about in, in Acts that Paul and Barnabas in the church, they fasted before they elected or appointed church leaders to some church plants that they were doing. 
wonder how much stronger our churches would be in America. Less church fights, less church splits, less anemic, powerless churches. If before the churches appointed their next elder or pastor, they gathered and they prayed and they fasted for the man whose God's hand is on him and spirit rest in him. We're all about credentials, right? You look at how most churches choose pastors. All about the resume. All about the credentials. I'm just telling you, Apostle Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, if he was alive today, there wouldn't be one large church that would hire him. He wouldn't get past the resume portion. Probably wouldn't even get his first interview. You see, they took this issue of prayer prayer and fasting seriously. Another reason why we uh, fast and pray is when we're burdened over a situation in life. In Esther chapter 4 and 5, Esther is burdened over a situation in her community. At the time she's married to the king, Esther is a Jew. Haman is the evil guy of the story. He's the villain of the story. Fact is, we may walk through the book of Easter. To, uh, Easter. Got Easter on the mind. Um, Esther. We'll walk through the book of Esther together because it's such a powerful story of a woman of God that stood up and scripture says that she was placed in that place for such a time as this. Do you realize God has placed you in your home, in your business, in your company, in your school, in your church, in a community for such a time as this? Man, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. Man, I do not want to miss it. And so Esther heard what was going on, that Haman was developing an evil plot and a sinister plan. And, and what he was doing is he's going to get the king to, to approve and, and give approval to with a signet on his ring to annihilate and to execute and to kill all the Jews. And Esther was born for such a time as this, and she rose up, and she asked Mordecai and her maidservants to go into an absolute fast with her for three days to pray and fast before she goes to the king and presents the request to the king. And so awesome, you, you understand that she could have been put to death. So many of us, we're so afraid to suffer. We just want to be normal. We don't want anyone to say we're weird. We don't want anybody to say we're a radical. We just want to be normal, and normal is killing us. It's sucking the life out of us. And Esther went before the king, and God gave her grace, and she could have been executed, and God took care of it. The last reason why we fast and we pray is, is we're waiting on the return of Christ. Now, if you remember, we started this journey out together, Isaiah chapter 62, and I gave you the why of fasting. We talked about the why of fasting last, last week, as a matter of fact. But some of you noticed, and, and, and rightfully so, and it's, it's really impressive, that when we went through that scripture, there was nothing ever mentioned of fasting. The scripture that I read for you last week. Now, listen, Jesus today is going to tie in Isaiah 62 when he speaks in Matthew chapter 9. See, Isaiah was a prophetic book. It talked about the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ. And watch what Jesus said. 
Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why, why, do, why do we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? You remember in Isaiah chapter 62, there was language like you were desolate, you were forsaken. And one day the, the bridegroom will come and you will be married. And remember, married is, is capitalized. If you have an exact equivalency translation, you have an ESV or New, New King James, one of those versions, married is capitalized. See, Isaiah is pointing to the return of Christ. So Jesus is asked a critical question. What is up with this? What is up with this fasting deal? Your, your, your disciples aren't fasting. And here he comes. It's the deity of Christ. It's the deity of God. Jesus was God, is God, will always be God. He wasn't a man who was just a good teacher. He was God. He wasn't a man that just did this thing and became God. He is God. It's the deity of Christ. Watch this. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom? Jesus is the bridegroom. Remember, the church is the bride. The bridegroom one day is going to come for us. Second coming is with them. So Jesus said, Again, I am God. The deity of Christ. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Death, burial, and resurrection. So then what he says is this. And then, then they'll fast. You don't, you don't need to fast when you're in the presence of the king. You don't need to fast when you've got God right there with you. But then the day will come. When he will be taken away. Then you will fast. Why? Because you long for his presence. Why? Because you hunger for him more than any other thing that soul care is more important than, than caring for the body. That you long to see him face to face. You long for the return of Christ. When he's going to take away sin and he's going to take away hurt and he's going to take away pain. You long for the return of Christ. When everything will be different. And if that doesn't excite you, then can I just tell you this? You have grown comfortable with the absence of the king. You have grown more comfortable with the world than him. You have become normal. You have become comfortable. You see, the problem is we've got good cars that we drive to church every weekend. We've got good homes. We've got good jobs. We can go on vacations. We can, we can do things financially. And if you're not careful, you will become more comfortable with that than anything God can offer you. And Isaiah 62 and Matthew chapter 9 says, And so we long for the return of Christ, and we sit as watchmen on the wall, and we scan the horizon. While the adversary, Satan, bombards the church with criticism and accusation. And we watch and we pray and we don't give him any rest because we are awaiting the return of Christ. Man, I'm telling you, the scripture says that this life is like a mist in a vapor. That means our existence on this earth compared to eternity is 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, one day I'm going to be standing next to you in heaven. I'm going to say, see there, seem like 10 minutes. I'm going to remind you. 
But the problem is we become more in love with this world and our stuff and our pride and we become self-reliant. And if you're afraid of his return, maybe it's because you have never met him. In a day, you need to meet him. Today, you need to accept him and ask him to come into your life and become a believer. If you're a believer and you know you're a believer, maybe there's some things going on in your life and that's causing you. Not to want to see him face to face. Or maybe you're more comfortable with this world. And we're playing for keeps. If you need to accept him, would you accept him? If you need to lead into a fast, if you need to, would you just do that? Whatever he leads you to do, would you just respond this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I ask this question at the end of every sermon almost every week. Man, what is God saying to you? See, we're confident as pastors here that God is speaking to you and God has already spoken to you. What is God asking you to do as a result of his word, as a result of what you've heard? Do you need to accept him? This is your day. That you ask him to come into your life, forgive your sins, give you the gift of eternal life, and you respond to him. Maybe today you're a believer. You know you're a believer. What decision does he want you to make? Do you need to go into a fast? Because you're burdened about something in your life. You're burdened about a community. You actually care about something other than yourself. Do you need to go into a fast because you're hungry for him more than anything that this world has to offer? I don't know what that is, but I'm confident you already do. In just a few minutes, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to stand. And those of you that need prayer, you know you who you are. God's already stirred in your heart. We're just going to ask as you stand that you step out of the aisles, you come down here. Our prayer partners will be down here. All you have to do is tell them your name and how they can pray for you. And they'll pray for you in any area. It could be a, a good issue that you're dealing with. You're just trying to make a decision in life. There may be some opportunities you have. You just need some clarity. There may be some health challenges going on in your life. Let me just tell you this real quick story with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Early service this morning, one of our prayer partners is sitting on the end. And God laid a couple, eight or ten chairs down from her and says, you need to pray for them. And she warred with God and she fought that. And she didn't want to embarrass them, so she just walked down and stood down at the front. And when everybody stood, this family came down and she's like oh wow I'm supposed to pray for them and they needed healing in their life and they needed healing from cancer in their life I'm telling you this is a spiritual moment and I'm asking you to respond to him this morning